Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey guys, begin to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's kind of a podcast where we learn, what we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best version of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Can you guys find the podcast on YouTube or anywhere else you get your podcast? We're just so thankful you guys are here, that you guys have found us, and that you guys are with us today. Okay, so last week, I forgot I had a couple meetings, so I was going to record this last week, and this, this one today is actually a listener request, uh, which I'm excited to do that. So I'm sorry that I couldn't do it last week. I had some meetings that came up. So we're, we're back on track this week. And I think what this is going to be, I didn't even notice that this is probably going to be this, but it may be a precursor to our Women of the Bible series. And I think you'll understand where we're going with this once you really see how we're going to dive into this topic from 1 Samuel chapter 1. But before we get there, as you're kind of getting ready, maybe you're you're working out, you're in the gym, you're walking, you're with a group, as we're kind of getting prepped to study and, and conversate today, here's kind of where we want to go. And I think this will kind of help you guys as we get ready to start this conversation. So there was once a, uh, a group of friends, and, and I saw a video of this group of friends. And, you know, you know how when you're when you're with your friends, maybe you're on the porch or maybe you're at their house or maybe you're sitting in their room or you're just hanging out, just enjoying one another's company. And you know how you have that one friend sometimes that it's just it's very random, but sometimes they say something and it's like, wow, where did that come from? You know, and maybe it's a maybe it's a deep thought. Maybe it's something that they're going through. Maybe it's something personal, whatever the case might be. And you're just like, whoa, you know, that's that kind of came out of nowhere. This is one of those conversations. OK, so there's this group of friends having a great time together. And one friend just kind of there's a lull in the conversation. And he brings this up and he says, uh, I think I'm kind of broken. And everyone's like, what, what do you mean? What do you mean you're kind of broken? Like, define that. What does that mean? And he said, you know, I feel like something, he said, I feel like I'm missing a piece. He said, I feel like there's something, there's something missing. And he feels like I was born without something. Like, I can't have the ability to do this certain thing. I can, I can celebrate this certain thing. I can be happy when certain things happen for others. But he says, like, I feel like there's something wrong with me that I can't do that. And so he said, man, I just feel like something is, something's off. He said, I feel like something's broken. And he said, I, I don't want it to be broken. It just feels like it is. And everyone kind of looked around and said, well, th that kind of came out of nowhere, but sometimes those conversations happen. And so as we talk about this concept here, what we want to talk about is just the concept of, I think something's wrong with me. 
you know, you can walk through this life, guys, and, and maybe you feel like that guy does in his conversation with his friends. And, and I hope the listener um, that requested this, you know, I hope that this can help you. And I hope that this can kind of encourage you, maybe if you feel this way, too. Um, but sometimes you can feel like you don't have something that other people have. Right. There, there's a piece missing. There's a there's something missing that you you don't have that apparently everybody else does have or have the ability to have. And so now because you feel that brokenness in a sense, naturally, when something's broken, you try to fix that broken piece with something. So maybe that broken piece, maybe that is um, maybe that's a lifestyle, maybe to fix that broken piece, maybe that's doing things on your own and being your own person. Maybe you think that fixes it. Maybe to fix that piece, maybe to fix that broken piece, maybe it's uh, partaking in certain things and just living the way that you want to live. And in order to fix that piece, because obviously nothing else around is, is going to do that, well, I got to fix it then. I got to find something to fix that broken piece. And maybe that's you. And, and I think sometimes... A lot of us are in that situation, but we kind of don't think that situation is common. But the more you look at things, the more you look at people, the more you look at what people are going through, a lot of people are broken. And maybe you're broken in a sense. And you're broken in a sense where you feel like it gets to the point where I have to be the problem. It's got to be me. It's got to be something that I'm not doing. It's got to be something that was done to me. Like it's got to be my fault. So then when you feel like you're the issue, when you feel like you're the broken piece, it's very easy for the issue or the broken piece. Now you find yourself kind of distancing yourself. Now you find yourself as a kind of like a different person. Now you find yourself almost lost. You can, you have freedom, right? You have freedom to do whatever you want to do. But with that freedom, the freedom doesn't feel free. Does that make sense? The freedom doesn't necessarily feel free. So now you're trying to understand and you're kind of lost. And whatever age you are and wherever you are in life, now you feel like, okay, I'm lost and I don't even know where to begin if I could start somewhere. Maybe that's you. And right now what we're going to see is this, this concept really hits close to home with Hannah in 1 Samuel 1. Okay, this concept really hits home with her. And, and as we kind of walk through this, I think you'll understand this concept of you weren't the only one that feels broken. And specifically being a woman here that's being broken, I think this will help with a lot of uh, um, concepts and things that you may be going through. So so let's kind of let's let's do this. Let's open up the text to First Samuel one. And let's dive into our conversation. So let's begin. Um Let's begin in verse 1, just to to start with the text. So the Bible says, There was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and the name of that man was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth and Ephraimite. Elihu, or Elkanah, had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah had no children. Okay, let's pause. So you, we meet Elkanah in verse 1. We see his heritage, and Elkanah has two wives, Hannah and Penaniah. Penaniah was able to have children. 
Hannah couldn't have children. Here's what we got to understand. This is very interesting as you're as we're going through this and conversating through this together. Here's what's interesting. At this time, now, a woman today will still have the feeling of if I can't have children, there's still a certain feeling that comes with that. Right? There's still a disappointment level that comes with that. There's still almost a depressive state if that doesn't happen today. But here in this text, in this time, when a woman couldn't have a child, guess what it was? And guess what was pushed on that woman? You're afflicted. Literally, the the idea and the thought process, if you were a woman at this time and you couldn't have a child, the thought process from other women and from men or your husband is you're the affliction. And watch this. This is crazy. If you look back in Jewish history, you're broken. There's something wrong with you. There's something innately wrong with you that maybe you didn't do anything to deserve it, but you're the broken one. You're the afflicted one and you have a disease. That's literally the thought process. It's almost like the it's almost like the black sheep concept. You know, you could feel like you're the black sheep of the family. You know, this is this is the concept of you're diseased, you're afflicted and you are a broken woman because you can't do what other women can do. And at some point in our lives, guys, you start to look and naturally, and just I think that's just because what we do as humans, naturally you sit and compare and you look at what you're doing and you look at what other people are doing. And then as you look and you compare, you start to see maybe there's something wrong with me that I can't achieve this or I don't have the opportunity for this or opportunities haven't been presented. What's what's your problem here? What's your issue? What's my issue? Am I the broken one? Am I, am I the one that's not? doing this right am i the one that can't so now you start to internalize all these things so what what we're seeing here in verse one and two we're seeing a seed that's being planted a seed within the heart of hannah to where she's hearing from her own household and she's hearing from society you're afflicted and you're the one that's broken isn't it interesting that and again once you once you mature and once you understand what's really going on around you guys you start to see that this world takes advantage of broken people. That world, right, in Scripture where we're at in 1 Samuel 1, this world took advantage of broken people. But really, because we're living in this one, when you see people that are broken, that feel like I'm the problem or feel like I'm missing a piece or feel like I can't do this, the world embraces you with open arms. It embraces you with open arms because the world provides things and opportunities for you to try to fix yourself. And you will always find what you're looking for. And there may be periods of time where I'm putting up quotes if you're not watching the video. There may be periods of time where that works. Whatever is provided, whatever way to live is provided, however way you want to be free, the world can provide that. And it feels awesome. I'm not going to lie to you. It feels amazing, doesn't it? I mean, there's freedom, there's there's technically really no restraints. You can do what you want to do. You can live and say how you want to, you, you can do whatever you want to do. And it's a freeing feeling because I guarantee you, if you feel that freeing feeling, at some point in your life, you were constricted. You were held down, quote unquote. You were, there was so much around you. There are so many boundaries and rules. You felt like I got to do something. I need to spread my wings and feel free. The world will provide you that, and I promise you it's going to feel amazing. 
And maybe that maybe that's one year, maybe that's two years, maybe that's five years, maybe that's ten years. But at some point you start to see that freedom is not really free. That freedom that you feel, that 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 um almost kind of like that release that you feel, it's not free. It's not free. Everything comes at a cost, as free as it might feel. Everything comes at a cost. And so what Hannah's doing here, Hannah's now in that place where she feels like she's the problem. Hannah's at the place now where she feels like I'm the broken one. And now some choices are going to be made on Hannah's on, on Hannah's part. Now, as we keep going, let, let's reverse three. So this, this man went up from the city yearly to worship and a sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penaniah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. Look at how it describes that. So now you would go up to Shiloh to worship. And now when they're there, you would give portions of the meal. You would give portions to Penaniah. And notice what it said she had. Not only did she have sons. But she had sons and daughters. Now, here's here's a little interesting nugget as we study this. At this time, if you were a woman and you bore women, obviously you're still fruitful so you can bear children. But men wanted women who would bear them sons. Because if you bore a son, then now your name and your legacy, now that continues. If you bear a woman, if you bear a woman and you have a house full of women, Technically, your legacy doesn't last, and now you can't give something over. You can't give your inheritance. You can't give what you built. You can't give that to your to your daughter at this time. Men wanted to give these things to their sons. So I love how the Bible describes that Penaniah had daughters, but she was also worthy because she had sons. So now think about how Elkanah is probably looking at her. Man, she provided me sons. She wasn't a woman that just gave me girls. She was a woman that gave me a son. Now I can pass down my legacy. I can pass it down to sons. And now think about what, what's happening with Hannah here as we see what happens. Uh, verse, verse, uh, verse 5. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion. Okay, so keep that in mind. He would give Hannah a double portion for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. So now, the image of Penaniah now having all these sons and daughters and they get a portion, but then you have Hannah and Elkanah gives her a double portion. Now think about the fights that probably could have happened in not only just in a worship setting, but think about the fights that probably happened at the home from Penaniah's side. I'm giving you sons. I'm giving you daughters. And all you're giving me is, is one portion. How come she gets double? She doesn't give it. She doesn't give you anything. She, she's worthless. She's afflicted. She's broken. Isn't it interesting on the flip side of things? So let's try to flip the coin. So on the one side, if you have everything, isn't it interesting that you get mad when others get something? <laughs> when you have everything, you get mad that others get something, but you feel like you deserve more. But then on the other side of the coin, if you're Hannah, then you could look at those who have everything and then now you look at yourself, how, how come I can't have everything that they have? You see what the perception is on both sides? 
And the more you kind of understand and grow and learn from the Lord, you understand why Paul in Philippians talked about contentment a lot. You see why he talked about um, being content where you are and I can be, I can abound and I can be a base because of what the Lord has done. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me, Philippians 4. You start to understand this concept of contentment because sometimes for some people, and I think if we're being honest, all of us have been here at some point. When you have what you've always wanted, at some point you're like, man, I wish I had more though. Or you feel like, man, this wasn't what I thought it'd be. Or maybe the the newness feeling of it, whatever that you've always strived for, whether that's a person, place, or thing, the newness factor of it has kind of uh, has kind of drifted, and it wasn't what you thought it would be. So now, because it wasn't what you thought it would be, now you want more. So now you're never content. Then, if you're in a state where you're wanting and you don't have those things yet, and you're striving for those things, now you're like, man, I won't be satisfied till I get it. So do you see why on both sides, contentment can almost be lost, which is kind of sad. Contentment can be lost. And so as we're as we're learning from this, from Penn and I aside, she can see, well, why, why is she getting double? It doesn't make sense that she's getting double. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting note if you're taking notes with us. Here's the interesting part about this conversation. And we're going to hit this in a second, but I wanted to note this. Elkanah truly did love Hannah, okay? Because if he didn't love Hannah, he would not have given her a double portion. This is just one woman. He gave the one single woman, well, not single, but the one woman who couldn't have children, he gave her a double portion, but with the women with children, they didn't get double portions. So you could tell just from that act alone, Elkanah truly loved Hannah. Keep that in mind, okay? He truly loved Hannah because this concept's going to come up. So watch verse 6. <laughs> this is interesting, especially based off the concept that we just talked about. And her rival. Let's just let's take a quick pause here. Let's 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 camp here for a second. It says her rival. When the Bible talks about unity, how unity is precious in the sight of the Lord. I believe unity is precious in the sight of the Lord among all people. But here's a concept that is sometimes really difficult. I believe unity is very powerful among women that love the Lord. But sometimes what happens is when you look at, how do I want to explain this? There's there's things that I've read. There's there's a lot of people that I've come in contact with, and it's like the same movie, where it's almost like my relation. If you're a woman, here's what I've heard: your relationship with your mother. There was always this thing, you know what I mean? Like it it doesn't mean that your mother didn't love you or she didn't care, but there was always this battle, and there was always this. Uh, I guess confrontation, right? Growing up as a woman in the in the home. Then not only that with your mother, then if you had sisters, then there was always this confrontation of who's better, who's this, who's there's always this rival stuff. And I love how the Bible defines this when two women go against one another. For the rest of the chapter, the Bible doesn't refer to Penaniah as her name. 
the Bible refers to Penaniah as Hannah's rival. Now, just this is just a quick side note. We could take this, and we'll probably hit this as we talk about women in the Bible. But here's a question that I ask for you ladies that are listening. Who is your rival? <laughs> who is your rival? Who is, the, who is the one in your life? Who is the one that you've met that's always had something against you? There's always something wrong with you. You're the one that's always the broken one. Or, or you're the one that's always thinks that you're better than the rest of us. Who's your rival? I love how the Bible defines this as a rival. And sometimes what can happen, and again, I'm not saying that this can't exist between men, because that's real too, right? We've seen that with Jacob and Esau before. Even, what, two weeks ago we saw that? Joseph and his brother. So we're not exempt from that. I'm not saying that that's not true. As guys, we're, we, we throw the dukes too. But this is different. And this is not based on strength, that I'm stronger than you, or my blessings more than you, or my inheritance is more than you. It's literally from the fact that I have something you don't have. I can I can bear something you can't. The way that this man looks at me is different than how he looks at you. You see, that's different. That's different. And so Hannah and Penaniah, they're rivals. They're rivals. And I think it's a beautiful thing when you have when you have mother, daughter, when you have sister, sister when you have wife mother-in-law when you have all these all these relationships but they're working in unity i think that's a that's a powerful thing especially among women i think that's a very powerful thing and i think unfortunately a lot of women to women relationships that you've grown up seeing i think a lot of people can relate to first samuel 1 i think the right their first rival was not on the outside of the home. I think their first rival was somebody on the inside. And what happens is within yourself as a woman that follows Christ, if that is not resolved within yourself and with God, then any other woman that shows glimpses of your rival, you will make them your new rival. And now you and now you repeat the cycle that you were put in. You see the danger you see the danger of this her rival this didn't come outside the home this was on the inside her rival provoked her but notice not just provoked her not poking fun at her not just making fun at her her rival provoked her severely you know the thing about guys is the way we hurt each other is we hurt each other with our strength, but we also hurt each other with our power, whatever that is, whether that's physical power, whether that's I own this business and you don't, whether that's influence, I'm showing you that I'm a bigger guy than you are, whatever the case might be, that's how we hurt each other as guys. Or we might just straight up just take something from someone else because we can. That's how we hurt each other. How women hurt each other with their words. Penaniah hurt Hannah, but the text says he she provoked her severely. How? With her words. With her words. 
This is why the power of the tongue, right? When Jesus even talks about in the book of Matthew, let your let your words be seasoned with salt. Words are are almost more powerful than anything else. The pen, it, like it said in history, the pen is more powerful than the sword. Sometimes words, they hold a certain power that is so deep that those words that you've heard causes someone's perspective and outlook and the way that they think, it causes them to change and be a totally different person for the rest of their life because of a word somebody said. Because of a word that one woman said to another one. It's interesting how with with women, as sisters in Christ, it's a beautiful thing. And not, not just to say you look nice today or you're gorgeous or you're this. Like, obviously, that's nice. But that's like surfacey stuff. You know, and I think sometimes we can say, well, I encouraged her because I said she was gorgeous on Facebook. I said she was gorgeous when I saw her at this women's thing. That's that's all nice. I'm not saying that's not good. But let's kind of dig deeper and let's get off the surface of things and off the physical of stuff. And let's start encouraging each other, you know, as you guys are, are following Christ. Encourage one another to have his heart. Be merciful. Peacemakers kind-hearted let's hunger and thirst for god together let's dig deeper not saying that the physical doesn't matter because that's a very important aspect and i never want to diminish that but let's dig a little bit deeper so let's encourage one another with our words correctly so now we'll watch what happens here uh verse where are we at six so her rival also provoked her severely and notice how bad it got she provoked her so severely that it made her miserable. How many of you women out here are walking around miserable because of something that another woman has said or another woman thinks? And now you're in your head about what other people think, and now, now you start treating people different because that's how other people view you. You see what I'm saying? The, the rival and the fight happens here. It happens in the home. And notice the end of verse 6, because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was. Now we see, now we see Hannah being totally degraded. Now, this isn't a this isn't a just during the holidays type deal. This isn't just at a, at worship type deal. The Bible says in verse 7, so it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she was provoked every year. So I want you to think about this this stuff from Hannah's perspective. Hannah associates going to worship with feeling miserable. Think about that from her perspective. As they're walking up to worship every year, we're going to worship God, but I know every time I go here, every time I go to this place, Every time I get around these, these people, they're going to say something that make me feel miserable. Now, from Hannah's perspective, is this somewhere I want to be? Is this somewhere I want to go? Are these the type of people that I want to be around? I don't want to go here. <laughs> so now, think about a woman that feels like that today. That's how I feel. And you fellas too. That's how I feel. 
So you know what? I'm just not going to go. I just don't want to. I just don't want to go. And therefore, she wept at the end of seven, and she couldn't even eat. Now it gets to the point where now Hannah is looking at herself, and every time she looks in the mirror, society thinks she's broken. Society thinks she's afflicted. Penaniah every year, there's something wrong with you. I provoke you with my words. I have something you can never have. It's very interesting. We're not that far from that. We're really not that far from this. Y'all realize that, right? We're not that far from 1 Samuel 1, verses 1 through 7. We're pretty much there in a lot of ways, but it just looks different for us today. So here's what we got to consider. Now, I'm going to say this very, 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 very slowly because I don't want you to take this and then run with it. So I'm going to say this slowly. Sometimes the way that we could provoke people is maybe not, maybe we don't say things like this in front of them like Penaniah did, but the way that we can provoke people is through social media. The way we can provoke people today, because it looks different for us today, right? So the blessings that the Lord has given you, I rejoice with you. Everybody rejoices with you truly. I'm going to say this very, 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 very slowly. We truly rejoice with you in all things that the Lord has blessed you with. We don't know what you had to go through to get that. We don't know. We don't know. Others may not know your full story of why you had to wait so long. And now that you have what you have, I rejoice with you and I celebrate with you and I praise God with you and I thank God with you. And I'm so glad that you found things and have things. And that's the most amazing thing. But I think what happens is what we can do subtly is it's an everyday thing. Look what I have. Look what I have. Look what I have. Look what I have. See, then then what, what are we not considering? We're not considering those that are around us. Now, I don't believe things, things that are done like that are, are done in malice. I think sometimes the thing about pride, I think sometimes pride can come into our lives and it can be very, 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 very subtle. And it may be a thing that is a good thing, but I think we want people to see the good things so much that sometimes the good things that we want people to see in our lives, we don't even know that pride is now setting in. So we have to be very, very careful, especially as we're looking at this text contextually, especially from a woman's perspective, you always showing, look what I got. Look what I got. Look what Lord gave me. Look at who I got. Look at what I'm getting. You see what I'm saying? We got to be careful. We got to be very, very careful because we don't want that pride to slip in subtly. And now to some people unaware, you are their Penaniah and you might not even know that yet. You see what I'm saying? So it's just something to consider, something to chew on as we, as we grow and study together. Okay. Just something to consider and something to chew on and something that we all can look at and something that maybe we all could get better at and maybe we all can improve on so that we can always let God be the one to get the glory and maybe not me showing what God has done all the time in terms of look at, look at what I have. 
Maybe that's not the place to do it. Maybe that's not the place to do it. So now as we look at this, watch verse 8. Now remember what we said before, that Elkanah truly loved Hannah. Now watch verse 8. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart so grieved? Great questions. As a guy, those are solid questions. If you if you see Hannah feeling this way, those are good questions to ask. But then now we start going downhill like most guys tend to do, like, like all of us tend to do. The questions are good. Questions are good. But now it starts going, we start sloping down. Am I not better to you than 10 sons? See, here's the thing. Here's a quick little side mission, side note here. When you have a woman that feels like this and a man's involved, whether that's relationship, whether that's marriage, whether that's brother, sister in Christ, what can happen here is a disconnect between two people. Now, let's look at it from Elkanah's side. From his side, he truly loved Hannah because he gave her the double portion, right? He truly loved her. because And, and not only did he love her, but it literally says in verse 5, for he loved Hannah. Okay, so we understand from Elkanah's side that he loves Hannah. So now Hannah is crying. Hannah's being provoked year by year. So now Elkanah comes and he asks these questions. But then at the end, he says, am I not better to you than 10 sons? So from Hannah's side, Hannah has a problem that Elkanah can't fix. So what do we want to do as guys? We want to do something. We want to say something. We want to give something in order to fix whatever the problem is. But for Hannah, is this something that can be fixed? This is something that I'm sure that they've tried to have children together, but the Lord has shut up her womb. So there's nothing you can do, Elkanah. There's nothing you can do. There's only something God can do. So now guess what Hannah can say to Elkanah? So after Elkanah says, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Hannah could have said, you just don't care. You don't care at all. And then here's the, here's the kicker. You've never cared. Now we got an issue. Now we got an issue. Is it wrong for Hannah to say you don't care right now? Because guess what? To her, it sounds like he doesn't. But then she throws in a little jab at the end. You never cared. Is that true? No, nah, that's not true. But then you have Elkanah who gives her a double portion. And after he gives her the double portion, he's asking, am I not better to you than 10 sons? Ah, now that's where he slipped. Because now Elkanah is saying, Did I, am I not giving you what you want? Am I not giving you what you need? Am I not better? So now he's saying things that are kind of insensitive now. So now from Hannah's side, she can say, well, you've never cared. Elkanah's side, fine, since you say I never cared, I'll just stop giving you stuff and I'll stop caring. Now you see what's happening here? What easily can happen here is a disconnect between two people. Look how easy that is to happen. It, I mean, literally, just like that. Then discord everywhere. Just It's craziness. You see how quick chaos can happen? Chaos can happen literally, guys, literally in the blink of an eye. Chaos can happen. And now, as they're going through this, it's very interesting. 
from Hannah's side, Hannah just went straight to the Lord when Hannah could have just bashed Elkanah. She didn't do that. Elkanah could have said, I'm not doing anything else for you. But the text never indicates that he didn't do that. So now you see when people are feeling stuff and when people are going through things, on a guy's side, maybe it's not our thing to fix. Maybe there's nothing I can do. And, and that's a hard thing to accept. There's nothing I could do in this. I can't say anything. I can't, I can't give something. I can't, I can't fix this situation. So now I can't fix it. Now what I'm going to have to do if I'm Al-Qaeda, what I'm going to have to do, I have to look outside of my solution for Hannah and I have to listen to Hannah. If I'm Hannah, I have to I have to let Elkanah know there's nothing you can do to fix this, but also I need you to listen. I need your help. I need you to support. You see how unity unity comes with respect of one another's feeling and what they see. And now what Penaniah did, she just attacked directly at the heart. But I think this is a great, now again, I'm not, I can read and I can understand and I can discern this from reading. So I know those that are, that are married can um, expound on this more. And I give that to them and I defer because I have to know when, I have to know when I can't say stuff. I have to know when I can't um, explain certain things because I haven't been to that point and that's okay. But those that have been to that point can understand that this problem between Hannah and uh, Elkanah happens more often than not with smaller stuff. This is a big deal here with children. This happens on smaller scales with married couples today, even from me talking to them. I can't imagine even being in one, now seeing smaller things happening from this perspective. You see what I mean? So now what we can do is we can learn from them as they grow here. So Hannah now feels totally escaped, totally broken, totally isolated. Verse 10, when she was in the bitterness of her soul, what did she do? When she was in the bitterness of her soul, what's very easy for us as people to do is when we're bitter, we get mad that other people are happy. We get mad that other people have what we want. We get mad around people that are around us and we want someone else to feel bitter with us. You know, misery, as the old saying says, misery loves company. It's a real thing. But instead of going around being miserable and putting that misery on Elkana, even putting that misery on Penaniah, where did Hannah go? She went straight to the Lord and she wept in anguish. Here's the thing that I think um, we don't do as often is when we feel that bitterness of soul, rather than, and here's what we tend to do at times too. When we feel bitterness against other people, sometimes we can't even see we're doing it. We put that bitterness around those that are around us. So now we put that bitterness on our kids. We put that bitterness on 
other Christians, on members of the congregation. We put that bitterness on other people and we get mad at other people when they really didn't do anything. It's we want to unleash something because we can't keep it all in. See, that's not fair. When Peter says in 1 Peter to cast your care upon him for he cares for you, your cares sometimes are going to be in anguish. And sometimes we feel like we can't come to God in anguish because that's not the quote unquote quote right way to come to God. When you are in bitterness of soul, that's when you need to come to him and cry to him the most because he's the one that can take those things rather than you pouring it on others that are around you. You see what I'm saying? So now she wept to the Lord. Then she made a vow, verse 11, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and you remember me and not forget me. I love how she says that because throughout her life, all she's been is a remembrance to other people and um, other people have forgotten her. Now, from this perspective, not only a woman can feel this, but a guy can feel this too. All I am to others is a distant memory and I've been forgotten. That's essentially what I am. I've been forgotten and I'm just a distant memory. When you feel like that, guess who you need to run to? You need to run to God. That's how I feel. I feel like I'm a distant memory, like I never existed. You need to run to God. You need to cast your care on him that you feel that way. Then, but I will give your maidservants a male child and I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor will come to his head. And it happens as she continued praying to the Lord that Eli washed her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart and only her lips moved. I love this image because as she's talking, she's talking but not even saying anything. But I love the image of this because sometimes we don't know what to say, but the Lord literally understands and reads the heart. So she's just mouthing this, but the Lord can hear her loud and clear. And all Eli, the priest, can do, he's like, is she talking? <laughs> is she talking to herself right now? Is she crazy? What, what is going on? Only her lips move, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli literally thought she was drunk. You know, and I think sometimes, and again, I'm not saying that you do this in front of people, but as you pray and as you walk through life, I think sometimes we get embarrassed that we have to come to God feeling like this. Uh, I don't want to feel like this in front of God. I don't want to feel like this. You need to come to God in every state. In every state, you need to do this. I feel broken. I feel like something's wrong with me. But in her grief, as we keep reading through this text, and, and I'm going to leave this to you to read this, but verse 19 to 20, 28-ish, then Hannah is given a son. And that son is going to be the prophet Samuel. And it's a it's an interesting thing that Hannah kept her promise to God that if you give me a son, I will give that son back to you. And I, I love the fact that the Lord opened up her womb, which proves, and this is something that we can miss, the Lord opened up her womb, which proves that she wasn't broken. You know, the, 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 the fact and the thoughts that you might have today that 
I'm missing something, like I'm missing a piece. Like I feel like I can't do something. I feel like I'm broken, whatever the case might be. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You're not the one that's broken. It may be the fact that the Lord is waiting to do something. But, I mean, you could easily feel like, man, I'm the issue, I'm the problem. The Lord opens up the wound. And here's what's interesting that the text doesn't specifically reveal, but we know that this is the case. Who opened Penaniah's womb? God. You know, sometimes when you look at Penaniah, who was of such bad character, it seemed like she got everything. But the woman that was of good character seemed like she got nothing. I love how the Lord is in control of both situations. Even though if we compare, we're like, well, why did Penn and I get this? The Lord's still in control of all things. And sometimes we might not agree with how the Lord controls. And, you know, you got to think about what Isaiah says, you know, my ways are not your ways. And when you, when you just think about that phrase alone, just the way that we think about things, the way we think about his kingdom, the way that we think about his people, the way we think about how things need to be run, how things need to be done, who needs to be rewarded, who needs to be punished, who needs to be lifted, who needs to be abased based off of what we think. You will always get it wrong with God when we think that way. We'll always get it wrong with him. But when we just start trusting the God that walked on water, and when we start to just, I have no idea why you're okay with this. I don't know why you're giving this. I don't know why you're fine with this. I don't know why it seemingly, I don't even know why it seems like you're blessing this. But you're in control. You're in control. And I have to trust your way of how you're controlling things. And once we get to that dependence, child-level faith and stuff, and especially when it comes to our rivals, when it comes to those who've hurt us, when it comes to family, when it comes to other things, when it comes to brethren, when it comes to this world, whatever the case might be, there may be things you might not understand. And that doesn't stop you from being provoked. Maybe that might still happen. That might not stop you from uh, feeling miserable. That might not go away. But the Lord is in control, and you're not broken. The Lord is in control. I hope that was able to help you, uh, the listener that requested this. Um, reach out. Let us know how we can help you guys, how we can pray for you guys. Just just talk with you guys. You know, you won't be the first. We've had people reach out last week. You won't be the first one, so reach out through you know, social media, through YouTube. Leave comments. Subscribe on YouTube, where, wherever you could find us. Uh, we want you to be a part of what we got going on, and we want to be a part of, of your lives too. So uh, we love you guys, man. We're here for you guys. We appreciate you guys. And I don't think I have any meetings this week. So Lord willing, we will be uh, back with another podcast on Monday. Thanks, guys.